0: Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us.
1: In the previous program I was talking about the subject of boasting and pride. And I was explaining that the source of boasting, the source of pride, is truly the law. And it doesn't matter what the law is. It does not matter if it is the law that God gave or it is the law that we make up in our own minds. It doesn't matter what the law is or its source. What I need you to understand is that boasting comes from the law. Pride comes from the law. And this is one of the reasons why the law is so attractive to religious people. And this is what makes people religious. What I mean by religious is the definition of religious is that an individual lives according to a system of bondage, and the system of bondage is defined by what is good or what is evil. And so in the previous program, I was talking about this in the context of the law being the source of boasting, the source of pride, and that people have a really hard time letting go of it, not because of the truth that God has revealed in the scriptures, that's not normally the problem. The problem is that they do not want to let go of the source of pride in their lives. That's the real obstacle that people are generally struggling with. Now, in Romans chapter 3, verse 27, it says, where then is boasting? It is excluded by what kind of law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. And I would like to talk about this verse from another perspective today, and that is the perspective of the law of faith overcoming or superseding the law of sin and death or the law of works, that there is another law that supersedes the law of works, The law of works is a simple law. It is a simple concept, and that is that you will be evaluated, you will be judged according to your works, and so you better have nothing but good works, because if you have any bad works, then you are going to be identified as an individual who will go to hell because there is no hope for you to enter into the kingdom of heaven because you were not perfect. You are not perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. That is the law of works, and we have, of course, been set free from that because of what Jesus did on the cross. He died for our sins, and because he died for our sins, he has set us free from the law because there is no law that can have any authority in our lives, that can pass any judgment in our lives because the judgment has already been passed. The judgment was guilty. The punishment is death. Jesus took that on our behalf, so the law has been fulfilled. The law has been established for a purpose and a reason. It has been fulfilled. It is now finished. It is done. It had its place. It had its purpose, and that purpose has been accomplished. Now, what I want you to see is that we have another law described as the law of faith and that this law supersedes the law of works, There is the law of faith which says that we are to trust in, believe in, and rely on what our God has already done for us, whereas the law of works says that you must trust in, believe in, and rely on what you will do for your God. Those are two completely different ways of life, two completely different ways of living. That one law is defined, one law is defined on the basis of what you do for God, that is the law of works, and the other law is defined on the basis of what he does for you, on the basis of what he has done for you, and that we are to live trusting and believing in what he has accomplished." This is the law of faith and that we live, which means that we respond, which means that we make our choices, we make our decisions in our lives on the basis of this truth. There are many decisions that people make because they want to be accepted by their God. And when you believe and you trust in the law of faith, that is taken away from you. You cannot be accepted by your God because of what you do, and so do not do things to be accepted by your God. This is what's important to understand, and that is that one law supersedes the other. Now, this is the important thing that I want to explain, and that is that both laws exist simultaneously. They are both in existence, the law of works, has not been destroyed, it has not been annihilated, it has not been eliminated. The law that God gave through Moses is completely functional, it is still available, it is something that we can still use, it is something that we can still apply in the world, not in our own lives, not in the way that it was used in order to bring us to Christ, but it is still functional, it is still here. It is still available. It is just as alive as it once was. That's what I want you to see. I want you to see and understand that both laws exist simultaneously, but one supersedes the other. Let me explain it this way. I once lived according to the law of works. I know what that life is. I remember that very well. I will never forget that. I remember what it was like to live a life trying to repent from my sins and obey the commandments of God. I remember what that was. And I remember how futile that was. And I remember the despair that I experienced when I discovered that there was no way that I was going to be successful. I was never going to be able to accomplish that. Now, the law of God that was given through Moses was given for that purpose. But then I discovered it was revealed to me that there is another law, and that is the law of faith. And in discovering this law of faith that is separate from the law of works, I trusted in the law of faith that my righteousness before my God would be established on the basis of my believing Him, that the acceptance that I would receive from my God would be based on my believing in his forgiveness, that being loved by my God would be based on what he has done for me already, and that I need to trust in what he has accomplished. So by subjecting myself to the law of faith, which means that I embrace that and I believe that for myself, it set me free from the law of works, because there are no works that I can perform to try to obtain what I already have. So why continue in the law of works? The law of works is available. If I would like to go back to that, I have the freedom and the liberty to do so. If I want to be reminded by the law of works that my God is disgusted with me, I can go back to that and I can be deceived by that. But that's the point, and that is that I would be deceived if I was to return to the law of works. I would be deceived because the law of works would tell me that he does not love me, he does not accept me, because my works are inadequate. So, the point is, is that the law of works is available, and the law of faith is available, but you cannot live in both simultaneously. You can only live in one or the other. Now, when I refer to the law of works and when I see the law of works here in the scriptures, in most cases, what he's talking about is the law of sin and death that was described through Moses. But it does not have to be the only law. As I explained earlier, the Gentiles, the non-Jews, have their own systems of law. They have their own religions. They have their own source of pride, their own source of boasting. They have their own systems of right and wrong, of good and evil. There are laws available in the Gentile world, just like there were laws available in the Jewish world. Now, listen very carefully. And that is that God never gave the commandments through Moses to have them delivered to the Gentiles. He never gave the commandments to the Gentiles. He gave the commandments to the Israelites. And the Jews were one of the 12 tribes of Israel and the predominant tribe that remained during the time when these letters were written in the New Testament. But the Lord gave the commandments and the law of works. He gave those to the Jews. He did not give those to the Gentiles He didn't have to. I want you to see this. He didn't have to give the Gentiles the law of Moses because he can use whatever law they have in order to demonstrate to them that they are sinners, just as he could use the law that he gave through Moses to the Israelites, to the Jews, to show them that they had a need for grace and mercy that they had a need for forgiveness. He can use any law, which is why he did not have to give the law of Moses to the entire world. He did not have to do that because there are plenty of laws of works, but the law of faith he gave to the entire world. That's a very important difference that I want you to see concerning the differences between the law of sin and death and the law of faith, or the law of works and the law of faith, that the law of faith has been granted to the entire world, whereas the law of works was only given to the Jews. But having said that, the Lord could use any system of law that the Gentiles had as their own individual law of works. I need to explain that because I want you to see in verse 29 that he says, this is Romans chapter 3, verse 29, Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since indeed God, who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, is one. He will judge both the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. People will be judged according to the law of faith. They can be judged according to the law of works if they would like, but that, of course, is not going to turn out very well. The law of works that was given through Moses, the law of works that was given through Hammurabi, that was given through anyone. Anyone's own personal law of works that they use in order to pass judgment against their neighbors, against their family, against other people that they have exposure to, or against other people who they just simply hear about but never personally know. That system of law can be used and applied to them personally, and the Lord can pass judgment on the basis of whatever system of good and evil an individual creates in their own minds, they will still be guilty of the same. But when it comes to the law of faith, there is only one law. There is only one faith. There is only one God, and he is the God of both the Jew and the Gentile, because both are one. Both are one in the sense that they are lost, and both are one in the sense that they are saved. And what I mean by that is that there are some who will embrace the message of the gospel, and there are some who will not. Those who will not are those who are in the world, whether they are a Jew or a Gentile, they are going to be condemned on the basis of their works or the lack thereof. Those who have embraced the gospel, those have been resurrected, and they are one defined by the law of faith. The law that was given through Moses would never, would never unite the Jew and the Gentile. There was a provision for the Gentile to become an Israelite or to become a Jew. There was a provision for that, that a Gentile could subject themselves under the laws of Moses and they could dwell in the land. There was a provision for the Gentile to become a Jew, but there was no provision in the law for a Jew to become a Gentile. There was no opportunity for a Jew and Gentile to become one in the law. The Jew and the Gentile are only one in the sense that both of them are in a condition that they need to be saved. But when it comes to faith, both are resurrected according to the same law of faith and both are made into a new creation in Christ Jesus. And this new creation is not defined according to the idea that there is a Jew or a Gentile. No, it is defined on the basis of a new creation that has been made according to the law of faith, that people believe and trust in what God has said, in what he has done, they receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, they are resurrected, they are made into a new creation, and they are now one in Christ Jesus. That is the gospel, that is the good news. And God will justify the person who is circumcised and the one who is uncircumcised, which means that it does not matter if you are circumcised Or uncircumcised. It does not matter if you have the law of Moses or you do not have the law of Moses. I'm going to say this again. It does not matter if you have the law of Moses and you try to live in obedience to the law of Moses or if you do not have the law of Moses and you do not try to live in obedience to the law of Moses. I can't tell you how many people I encounter who are continually trying to incorporate the law of Moses into their lives, who are continually trying to tell people that they have to pay attention to the law of Moses and that it has to be applied in their lives, that they have to make sure that they do not sin, which is defined by the law of Moses. And it says clearly right here in verse 30 that regardless of whether you have the law or you don't have the law, it doesn't matter. It has never mattered. It has never been an issue. Why would I say that? Why would I say that? I say that because that's what it says. That's what he said right here in verse 30. It says that indeed God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, he is one and you will become one with those who are either Gentiles or Jews. You will become one with the one body, the one creation, under the one God, and we will be one in the kingdom of heaven. Do you see that it doesn't matter? It does not matter because of the law of faith that he has revealed. Now, this law of faith has always been in existence. It has always been in existence. It was in existence before the law. It was in existence during the law. And it is in existence after the law, And it will always be in existence. Consider Abraham. Remember Abraham, that he was established as a righteous individual. He was justified. He was righteous because he believed his God. He was justified. He was righteous because of the law of faith. It has always been here. It has always been available, but it has been ignored It has been superseded by people's belief that the law of sin and death, the law of works, is the way to live instead of the law of faith. And the Lord wanted that to happen because he is resolving the issue. He is resolving the question. He's answering the question of do we live according to what is good and evil or do we not live according to what is good and evil? This is what caused the fall of humanity and this question, this problem will have a resolution and the Lord has allowed people to be distracted by the law of works. He has promoted it. He has given it. He has involved himself in it in order to make the point that the law of works will always lead to nothing, but it will be superseded. It will be overcome by the law of faith. Now, having said this, You should consider the question, because a lot of people then ask this question, of what purpose, then, is the law? Of what purpose is it? Why do we have it? Shouldn't we just tear it out of our Bible? I mean, if you look at the Bibles that we have, you have the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Testament defines the law, the Old Covenant, and the New Testament defines grace, and the New Covenant— Why don't we just rip our Bible in half and throw out the Old Testament, throw out the law? If it has no place in the Christian's life, then why not dispose of it? Well, you may do that. And the reason why you do that is because you have no idea what the law was for. You don't understand what the law is for. You have not been paying attention to what I've been saying. That's the only way that a person can come to that kind of a conclusion. If you were to look at my Bibles, all of my Bibles have the Old Testament intact. It's still there. I haven't ripped it out. And so for you to say such a thing tells me that you do not understand. You just don't. There is no problem with the Bible. There is no problem with God. There is no problem with the law. There's something wrong with you. And what's wrong with you is that you have not been paying attention. You have not been listening to the fact that the law was given for a purpose, for several purposes, and you are to use it for those purposes. To say that it needs to be ripped out of the Bible means that for you it does. It does need to be ripped out. And the reason why it needs to be ripped out of your Bible is because you've been misusing it. You've been abusing it. You have been using it for a purpose that God never intended it for. And so technically, I think you should just rip it out. You should not have it because you have been deceiving people and yourself and you have been abusing the word of God. So yeah, rip it out. But I will not because I know what it's for. I know what it was given for and I will continue to use it for the purposes that it was given for. I am not afraid to use the law. Like I said in the previous program, you want the law? I'll give you the law. I'll give it to you if you want it. But I know, I understand what it is to be used for, and I will use it for its proper purpose. That is why the Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 3, verse 31, this is why he said this. In verse 31 it says, do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Yes, we establish the law because we use it for the purpose that God gave it for. Listen, if you believe that your works have anything to do with your relationship with your God, you need the law. You need a lot of it. You need the whole thing. You need the whole package. You need it to have a work in your life. If you believe that your God is going to bless you or reward you because of your obedience or because of your repentance, you need the law in your life. You really do, because you need it to do its work in you. You really need it for that reason. If an individual does not believe, if they don't believe that they have a need for forgiveness and mercy, they need the law. If an individual wants to know how our God accomplished the salvation that we now have, They need the law. If an individual wants to understand how our God foreshadowed the realities that we now live in, you need the law. If you want to know how he prophetically proclaimed how he would do the work of salvation and how he would conduct his ministry and his life here on earth in order to present us with the future that we now live in, you need the law. We establish the law. And the reason why we establish it is because, again, we use it for the purposes that he gave it for. It is the people who still try to incorporate the law into their Christian lives that are not establishing the law. Again, the people, if you are trying to incorporate the law of Moses into your Christian life, you are not establishing the law. You are misusing the law. You are using it for a purpose that it was never intended for. You need to understand this. You must embrace this. You must recognize this. Because if you do not, then you cannot fully embrace the law of faith. You can embrace it perhaps in a partial way. But because you don't embrace it fully, You will never truly be able to enter into the new life that he has made available to both the Jew and the Gentile who are now one in Christ Jesus, who have been set free by the law of faith, who have become believers, who have become children of God because of the law of faith, not because of the law of works. And so put it aside, put it aside and Only use it for the purposes that he gave it for. Do not use it for the purposes that it was not given for. Then what does the Apostle Paul do? He gets into Abraham. He explains, listen, it has always been this way. He is not introducing something new. He is not introducing something different. He is explaining that our God has always related to people this way. That it has always been this way. It has never been any different. The law was never given for the purpose of justifying anyone. It was never given for the purpose of resurrecting anyone. It was never given for the purpose of drawing people near to God. It was never given so that people would know their God. It was never given to get people's flesh under control. It was never given for any of these reasons that people come up with. It was never given for these reasons. It was given for the reason of showing us our depravity, but of course, even if people did not have it, the Lord could have used other ways, other things in order to reveal our depravity as he did with the Gentiles. It was not necessary. It was not mandatory. It was just his contribution. It was a partial addition to the existing laws of works that already existed. That's what it was. It was nothing more than a contribution to what was already present. You must embrace this if you are going to truly embrace the depths of the law of faith and the importance of recognizing the law's purpose, establishing it, and entering into the law of faith, because until you do, you will not know what Abraham knew. You will not be a friend of God as Abraham was a friend of God, and I want you to be God's friend, and I want him to be your friend, and I want the two of you to embrace each other for who you are, for who you are, for who he is. There is a friendship that can be experienced when you embrace the law of faith. Now, this is a very important theme that I want you to get in touch with, and that is to say that the law of sin and death is still in effect for those who are unwilling to trust in the complete forgiveness of sins and the free gift of the Holy Spirit. The law is there for them. But when you are resurrected by the indwelling presence of the Spirit, the law has had its purpose, it has done its work. Any law can be used to demonstrate that an individual needs the mercy of God. Any law can do that. That's not what's important. What's important is salvation by resurrection. And once you have been resurrected, you live in the new life that you now have entered into.
0: You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net.